Awesome. How is everybody this morning? Is that the last gasp of winter? What do you think? Hopefully. I told my wife about a week ago, a little bit more than a week ago, on that sunny day, it was a Monday, it was warm, and I said, "Hun, winter is over. She's like, how do you know? I said, I just know. I feel it in my bones. Well, apparently I'm not old enough to predict the weather yet with my bones because I was dead, dead wrong. Well, we hope you're having a great, uh, enjoy that last gas of winter. I'm tired of it. I'm ready for it to be done, done, done. But I'm glad that you made it here to church today. We have a great morning planned as, as always. We've already had some great time in worship and we're looking forward to all that God has for us today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to all that God has for us anyway. I'm not. How many of you are ready for God to speak to you today? Come on. Elbow your spouse and say it's your time. <laughs> Maybe not. Just say it's my time. You know what? How many of you have a, somebody in your life that you would consider a bold person? When they walk into a room, you know they're there. Uh, Daniel came to mind immediately for some of you. I know. I know. You, you did. But when I was growing up, there was a, a person uh, by the name of Bud McLean. If you know Bud McLean, he's passed away now, but he was a bold man. Like, when I was 12 or 13, he came up to where I grew up in a place called Nacusp, and you've heard about that. We were talking about this yesterday with someone. You will know everything about my life all originated, all my issues originated in Nacusp too, but that's another story. And he came up, and we had a small Christian school, and this guy was bold, bold like a lion, yeah, scary bold. I was a shy kid growing up, uh, very, very, very shy. And uh, he came to town, and, and he spoke in our chapel, and he said, we're going to go do something in your town right now. We're going to go hand out tracks. Okay, there was a day for tracks, and we, but when you know everybody in your city, city, using the term loosely, okay, not at all, 1,200 people, everybody knows who you are. He said, we're going to go, and so we're going to walk down, and we're going to go to a high traffic area in front of the bank, and we're going to hand out tracks. Everybody knew who I was. If they didn't know exactly my name, they knew who my dad was. And so we're standing there, we're handing out tracks in front of the bank, and suddenly the bank manager, the CIBC bank, comes out. He's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, handing out tracks. He said, let me see those. And these little tracks, and you might remember them, they looked like a Visa card. They were colored red and blue, like an old Visa used to be the two stripes. And it said Visa on the front. And it said on the back was the passport. And it says Visa. This word means passport. Do you have your passport to eternal life? <laughs> and here we were in front of the bank, and he's just handing them out. People were like, this is the best day ever. I go to the bank. I got a Visa card. Didn't even have to apply, honey. Got it. But this man was bold. And that was when I first met him. I heard a story once where he was, uh, this is, went to Romania when Romania was still a close country behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, he went there. And this is when you, if you had to have a church or you had a church, it was kind of called an underground church or a church in secret. And so he knew only where the, the church was, the city it was. He didn't know where it was. Because if he had kept the directions and had gotten caught with the directions on him, it could have meant danger for the people there, possibly arrest and, and uh, maybe thrown into jail, all kinds of stuff, because of meeting as uh, was outlawed. And so he literally went into there with, got a, got a taxi or whoever picked him up and, and didn't know how to get there. And he just said, okay, God, how are we going to get there? And he would say, okay, drive. And he felt like the Holy Spirit said, turn left, turn left. 
Go a little further. Turn right. Go a little. Go over that bridge. Go here. Turn there. Stop. It's that house. Go knock on the door. Open the door. They just finished prayer, and they're ready to receive him. True story. He was a bold man. And I think that's a picture of the church. Bold. At least the church the way it should be. Bold. Bold church. You know, in the first century, we have all kinds of ideas of, or we have all kinds of ideas now about what the church was. But in the first century, I think their idea of church and our idea of church might be a little different. They didn't have any, there was, it wasn't about chairs. It wasn't about what, how good the band sounded. It wasn't about uh, whether the coffee was good or any of those kind of things. They were just a group of people that were meeting around an incredible message that Jesus had died, was buried, and rose again, and was in the business of changing lives. It was this multicultural, multi-generational, multi-ethnic move of people that just said, we believe that Jesus can still change lives. In fact, he changes our life, and we're going to take a message that he changes the world today. And that's how a movement was started. In fact, it started out of this incredible place where Jesus said, he said this about the church, and the message translation has it, I will build a church so expensive with energy that the gates of hell won't be able to keep it up. Not even the gates of hell. So expansive with energy. So in a day and an age where we start to think that the church should retreat, where we might start to think that the day of the church is past, where the best days are back there, this is still, in the, still very, very relevant today, that Jesus is still in the business of building a church. That Jesus is still in the business of building a church that's so expansive with energy that nothing in Surrey, that nothing in greater Vancouver, that nothing in Canada can hold it back. That's just the Jesus that he is. And when he builds something, nothing can stop him. I can talk about the church a lot because I believe it's God's program to change the world. And first of all, it starts in changing me. I should probably look at what my notes say today. That's right. Whatever. But we talked about over the last little while when, G, when the church first began and Peter preaches this incredible sermon in Acts chapter. You can look at it in the book of Acts. It talks about, it's a whole thing about the early history of the church and, and, and the Holy Spirit comes down upon them and Peter preaches out this incredible sermon. 3,000 people come to know Jesus on the first sermon. That's a good day if you're a preacher. Very good day. And then just a little while later, there, there, a miracle happened, and, and Peter preaches again, and another 5,000 men plus women and children. So in just a very few short weeks, incredible growth, expansive growth happened between eight and 12,000 people, roughly 10% of the city's population in a couple of weeks. Still the same gospel. Still the same Jesus. Still the same power. What could God do about making a big church? And I'm not talking just about big in size. I'm talking about big in reach. Big that we'll reach people that people say are unreachable. That we'll go where people say you can't go. That we will go to dark places and bring light. That we'll just say we're big. We're going to punch above our weight. We're going to reach a little farther, dig a little deeper because the power of Jesus is evident and alive today. I'm not retreating. The church is not retreating. Other people can retreat. Other places can roll up their, their uh, tent and go home. But the church of Jesus Christ is continuing to advance because the power of the church is Jesus. And it grew and it grew. 
And then as it grew, what happened was that there was some resistance. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago where they get hauled in and they get told, don't preach anymore in this word, in this name. It's enough of it. Don't do it anymore. They warned them sternly, don't do it. So they, in the moment, in this great expansive moment, they were told, back off. They walk out, they double down, and they're like, more miracles, please, Lord. We're going to double down and we're going to keep talking about the reality of the risen Savior. I don't, I'm not really going to get distracted by what this says or what that says or what somebody else says I can and can't do. I'm going to obey God. And they began to preach again. Then, and what happens is in the midst of this incredible thing, things continue to happen because the gospel is powerful. Jesus is still moving and he doesn't stop because somebody in a government said, oh, you can't do that. The church continues to advance. And actually in the world right now, the church is continuing to advance. Continuing to advance. Even in the Western world, it's continuing to advance. People say it's dead. No, no. The church is continuing to advance. Continuing to advance. And their response in the midst of all this negativity, they went to a prayer meeting and they prayed. And we talked about this two weeks ago. They didn't pray that the resistance would stop. They didn't pray even for their own protection. They just prayed this simple prayer. Oh God, I pray that you would grant unto me boldness to preach your word, to speak about what you're doing. I don't know what's going on out there. I don't know how they felt the pressure, but they said, we're just going to be bold. And we're, God, will you help me be bold? Do you know why they had to ask for help to be bold? Because they were scared. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to not know all the answers. It's okay. And that's the time where we double down and go to the source because Jesus said he's going to build his church. It wasn't up to me and all my abilities and skills and talents and all yours. It's now say, oh God, would you help me to be bold in the face of opposition? And what happens is the church just keeps going. People start to get healed. People are bringing their uh, from the outskirts and, and getting healed. And people are getting saved, multitudes. And it says that the church was held in high esteem by everybody. And so the religious leaders got angry again. And they haul all 12 of them in, throw them into jail. And that night, in the night, there's a supernatural release where an angel comes and opens the doors. And now you've, this is your second time in jail for the same reason. This is your get-out-of-jail-free card. But they don't run. They go right back to the very place where they got picked up. And they start preaching again. And they start saying again, this is the power of the gospel. If you have, if you have a need in your life, Jesus is the answer. If, if you're looking for hope, Jesus is the answer. If you're confused, Jesus is the answer. If you don't know where you're going, Jesus is the answer. And they just double down and away they go. They're bold. That's the heritage of the church of Jesus Christ. Not safe and, and hide in a corner and, and, and huddle and sing kumbaya and simply wait for Jesus to come back. There, uh, this is the Jesus I serve. He said, I will build my church so expansive with energy. It's going to grow and build and expand in it. Persecution didn't stop it. Resistance didn't stop it. It never has. It never will. Because God is in the business of building his church. And then in Acts chapter 5, they get hauled in again. This is the third time. Jail, jail, back in again. They bring them in, and they're, they're really careful with it because the people are they're pretty pumped. People are getting healed. It's a great day. And they say this to them. They were jealous. 
So they bring them in and they said, we gave you strict orders not to preach in this, in this name. I can just, here you are. Kind of like their religious supreme court. And, they, and you just keep doing it. And you fill Jerusalem with your teaching. What a great thing. Wouldn't that be great? The whole city's talking about the church. The whole city's talking about Jesus. I, why not in Surrey? Come on. Another story. I would have said amen right then, but I don't know. But they kept going. And they kept going. See, there was a time when the church was a movement fueled by this conviction that everybody spent eternity somewhere. We were in a battle for the souls of men and women. That's the early church's conviction. Not this, oh, you can go here and you, there's, if you just, there's all the ways and all the paths and, and if you feel and, and God and, no. There's no other name written under heaven by which man might be saved except Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. An exclusive message because he had made a claim that nobody else could make is that I rose from the dead and I rule death and hell. The ultimate expression of following Jesus was an unusual kind of love. It wasn't judgment, it wasn't criticism, it wasn't hatred, it wasn't labeling. In fact, it was a love that towards the very people that positioned themselves against the church, they said, we're going to love you. You're persecuted. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Just love on people. It's a whole new way of living. But the religious leaders didn't like it. They bring them in and they say, don't do that anymore. But Peter says, we must obey God rather than human beings. We're going to keep talking about Jesus because the reality is we saw with our eyes, we've experienced in our lives, we've seen the reality of what Jesus can do and we're not going to let, let people just pretend that it doesn't exist. And they were furious, it says in verse 40, 33 of chapter 5 of Acts. They were furious and wanted to put them to death. Okay, we tried to warn you. We put you in jail. Now we want to kill you. Just kind of an escalation. But a Pharisee, one of them, Gamaliel, his name is, he stands up and he says, guys, I, I want to put them out, the, the apostles, and I want to talk to the Supreme Court, as it were, the Sanhedrin. And he says, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, or in other words, if it comes from their idea, it'll fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. In fact, you will find yourself fighting against God. And his speech persuaded him, they persuaded them, so they called the apostles back in and had them flogged or beaten. And flogged wasn't like a chick, chick, chick. No, they were flogged, beaten, and said, do not speak anymore in this. So that was the third time. So they get up, and this is what it says. What was their response? The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And that name is Jesus. Rejoicing. Mm. Bold, bold, bold. And it got me thinking about what, what about the things we gripe about as Christ followers today. They're flogged, warned, persecuted, rejoicing. Hmm. And we gripe about whether or not our favorite song was played this Sunday. We gripe about sometimes whether there's too much lights or not enough lights. Whether the coffee is in the foyer is too strong the right kind, too hot. I've heard them. The one I think I've never heard anybody complain about is that I preach too short. 
We might complain and gripe about that the tone of our culture is no longer friendly to a Christian worldview, that things are taught in various places that shouldn't be taught, and, and we get anxious and we get uptight about all kinds of things. But it's not that those are not important, but what are, are we missing something? Have we lost something of what it means to be a Christ follower? Let me put it this way. Have you ever had the privilege of losing something because of your faith or because of your boldness? Some of you in this room have, I know. Some of you are here in Canada because of that reason. You've lost inheritance, you've lost family, you've lost friends, you've lost opportunity, you've had all kinds of things, but most of us have not. Yet somehow we are afraid to be bold. In probably one of the freest nations in the world, we are still afraid to be bold. But in fact, it's not a new problem of humanity. The Bible says, about 70 times it says, do not fear. And then a whole bunch more times, don't be afraid, all that kind of stuff. Dozens and dozens of times all through the scripture, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. After threatening and flogging, what do they do? Verse 42 of chapter 5 says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The message translation, not letting up for a minute. Right back out there, back at it again. Wow. Every day, teaching, telling the story of Jesus. And here in Canada in 2018, we're distracted by so many things that we forget the power of the gospel. That in a nation that's Despite what might be happening in the political realm or in the educational world or in all kinds of things where ancient landmarks are being moved, the gospel is still powered. The answer is still Jesus. The hope of the world is the local church, not the government, not the education system, not the multimedia world, none of that. In fact, the church is the people, and if we as the people of God were in some of those worlds with the reality of living lives that are Jesus-focused, things would look different. But we're not so bold. But I don't think it's in, because we're intentionally cold-hearted and uncaring cowards. I really don't. I know most of you. Some of you I have not met personally. But I know most of you. And my assumption in my belief is, is that we, we, we would want to be bold. So why do we often lack boldness? Well, I think that some of us have forgotten the difference that Christ has made in our lives. We've forgotten what it was like to be without hope, to wonder, where do I stand with God? Where is God? Is there a God? Where do I stand with him? Some of us have never known life without hope. We've maybe grown up in the church. We've grown up knowing who God was or is. We only, we, we go to funerals. We don't know what it is to go to a funeral where there is no hope because everybody we know is a Christian and, and everything in our life is about Christ's followers. Sometimes we lack boldness because some of us have been distracted by life. Life is good. Got what I need. My kids are nice. Got a job. It's all good. And we can get easily distracted because we forget that others have no idea of the life-changing power of Jesus that we get to live in as a Christ follower. It's not, not because of intention. It's sometimes we just forget some of these things. How many of you have been watching the Olympics at all? Getting up in the middle of the night, 
We're not going to talk about the Canadian men's hockey team. But if you see the Olympics, one of the great things I like about the Olympics is you, you hear these stories, incredible stories, of people who, through all kinds of adversity, fight, 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 through and forward to see their dream come true. To make the Olympics is just an incredible thing. You are in like the top, I don't know, like 1% of 1% of people when you make the Olympics. And then you see people like uh, Tessa, what's her name? Yeah, you know, the ice dancing couple that we're all like standing. People at my house are like crying. It's an incredible moment. It's great. It's boldness. They become heroes right before your eyes for some reason because they do a sport and they inspire us. And it's great. It's inspiration to think that I could skate well, but it's not really true. I just can't, no matter how inspired I feel. But it's good to have people that inspire us to be better. It's good to have people that inspire us to reach farther, to, to dream bigger, to, to do and move beyond where we are. We need those people. And this morning, that's what the four chairs are. I want to introduce you to a couple that inspire Shanda and I. And I know what, by the time we're finished hearing from them this morning, they're, they're going to inspire you. Jason and Kelsey Eliason are a couple that we've known literally probably for almost 20 years. That You're going to see them and you're going to like, how, how long since they were born? You know, we've known them for a long, long time from Vancouver Island and since they were young and then they became dating and then they got married and, and uh, we bought a house together here in Surrey. We uh, lived, lived in the same house for three and a half years. You know someone really well when you live in the same house with them. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm talking about us. <laughs> and, um, and they're a family that we've seen grow in grace and skill and maturity. And they're, we're going to talk about a bold step that they're going to take of planting a church in our city. And how we as a Horizon family are going to come alongside them and help them in a little bit. I want to just show a video here that's going to get going here. Are we getting there? I'm Jason and this is Kelsey. And uh, we're getting ready to plant a church. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul starts using these metaphors about what it's like now to be in Christ. And he says, you were once foreigners to this promise. But now you're citizens with God's people. The area of like Surrey Central is this neighborhood that God's just gripped our heart by. And we can come in and be part of that and say, we're gonna care for the soul of this place. And we're gonna go after people. People are moving to cities faster than churches are moving to cities. I mean, the need is so great that if we filled all the churches we had multiple times over, we still wouldn't have space. I heard a pastor say recently, the church is not just a people, but a people in a place. And in that place, they pray and work to see God's kingdom come in that place as it is in heaven. And for us, that place is Surrey Central. What would it look like for a gospel-centered, spirit-filled, and life-giving church to put down roots in the middle of all this change? What could happen if a church would take the good news of Jesus into every corner of this neighborhood and saturate it? We're planting Citizens Church because we have a vision that the local church and the good news that we carry is essential for real change to take place in a city. We'll never see a city change by retreating from it, but by living in it, engaging in its life, and working together for the good of those who live there. At the center of our vision to plant Citizens Church is the desire not only to have something for someone to attend, but somewhere for people to become something new, 
a place that people can discover their true and God-given identity. We also know that people are desperate to belong. We were made to live in community with others. And the gospel invites everyone to find and know genuine community with Christ at the center. And lastly, we desire to be a place that people discover purpose through mission. There's a responsibility that comes with being a citizen. This is also true of God's kingdom. We're all invited to join God in his mission of seeing the kingdom of heaven break out into every sphere of our world and see people experience this life-changing gospel. I think when we look at the book of Acts and we see the early church, we see this togetherness. If you're doing life together, you can share in the goodness that God has for you and the, the trials that come along in life. And, and there's a support system there that is unique. Jesus is still calling people to himself by using people like you and me. And so we will do anything and everything we can so that anyone and everyone can have an opportunity to know Jesus. But we can't do this alone. We need your help. There are three ways that you can be a part of the story to plant Citizens Church and reach the people of Surrey. The first and most important is prayer. We need people to pray for us. We believe that if we're gonna do this, we need to do this in the power of the Spirit. So we're asking people to commit to holding us up in prayer. The second thing people can do is they can give. You know, you can give of your time and your talent. We really need people to give finances. We have an audacious fundraising goal that's gonna enable Citizens Church to launch strong and start reaching people as fast as possible. And finally, you can go. We believe that if God is calling us to this work, He's also calling a team of people that are gonna come around us and believe in the vision of Citizens Church along with us. So maybe God is calling you and find your community and your expression of mission along with us in this next season. You can find us at citizenschurch.ca for more information about how you can partner with us in planting Citizens Church. Wow, so exciting. We love you guys, you know that. You know how proud we are of you. I couldn't be more proud if they were my own kids because you are like my own kids. And we are so excited that we have the opportunity to partner with you both as you step out in faith, as you step out in boldness and you answer the call that God's put on your heart. But this morning, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about Jason and Kelsey? Um, well, we're not alone. We have three little boys. Um, we have Jude, who's five, and Jax is four, and West is one. And we are, we love being an old boy family, um, and it, it's, so, it's so much fun. It's not something I ever, I thought that I would be surrounded by pink and bows, but I didn't get to choose. And so the Lord had a different plan, and, and we love it. Um, we just, and Elias and boys are a whole nother breed. Yes, they are. Yes, yes, they that. are. <laughs> um, and we currently are in the middle of a move. Um, and so life is, I don't know about us, like we we're just, we're here and we're just currently moved to, to Surrey and we didn't move from far. We're from Langley. We've been in, on the lower mainland for eight years and working, um, with Christian Life Assembly in Langley and had amazing opportunities there. But the Lord has just been leading us and changing us in the last few years, um, to see what the dream was in our heart. And this is, this is where we have found ourselves. So CLA, our connection, though, goes back to, like, uh, Foursquare churches on Vancouver Island. Uh, I think probably when we were in Campbell River and you were, like, 
12 or something yeah. at uh, at youth events and different things. And so it's been just a real connection. Kelsey has uh, gone through our discipleship school back, that was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago now. We were talking this morning and it was just like, you're getting to an age, they are now, where they say decades that they've known us, but to, of, of us, you could believe that, but not of them, but... <laughs> But when we talk about, you know, one of, part of the story besides them that I like is that we're doing this with another church. Because we have to have a vision of church that's bigger than just one church. So we, as Horizon Church, are not the answer to the city. The Church of Jesus is the answer to the city. So when we're working with Christian Life Assembly, and I know other churches that are helping in this as well, it's incredible. But why? There's a lot of places you can plant a church. Have you been to Surrey Central? Like, like, why Surrey Central? I don't know certain days. Yeah, we. I always joke about people who live in Langley. They never go to that area. They either go east or they stay on the highway and go to Vancouver. And so no one knows this, unless you have to get your passport renewed. That's the only reason (laughs) you go there. And um, I mean, it started with like we we knew that we were going to plant a church. We knew we were called to it, and we really said, "God will go anywhere." We felt pretty sure we were going to stay in the Lower Mainland, and then we really wanted a burden for a neighborhood, a place. Um, in one sense, you could throw a dart on the map and say, you need a church there because there's people to reach, but we wanted to like live and breathe that place. And I found, I started reading about what's happening in Surrey Central and the change that's happening and the revitalization and the vision for it, and that piqued my interest but I wasn't, we weren't sold out. Like, I did want to go to Abbotsford. I'm like, you know, let's go out to the country and, like, and hang out. Like, that'd be awesome. And, you know, or, like, maybe there's a nicer part of Surrey. Like, Surrey's big, Morgan right? Crossing? <laughs> What's that? Morgan Crossing, were you looking there? Yeah, we were looking at South Surrey and Cloverdale, like, all these awesome places. We and, love the people from South Surrey. They say they're South Surrey. They don't live in Surrey. They're they live in South Surrey. Or White Rock, yeah. Like, yeah, White Rock. You yeah. Know, you're so, in Surrey. But it was one of those, so we, we kept it on the list, and we'd take it off the list, and we put it back on the list, and we took it off, and we just couldn't shake it. And, and what ultimately, I mean, to wrap the, up the story, what it came down to was a text from my lead pastor that first made me mad, um, because he hadn't given me any direction, and then he sent me this text that felt like he was trying to push me into a neighborhood that I wasn't sure. I, that literally, the night before, we had taken it off the list again. And the next morning, I'm on the first hole of a, a round of golf, and I get this text, and it just ruined my whole round. And um, I've, I've golfed with you. I don't know. Yeah, I probably would have been bad anyways. But, <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, from that text, we just couldn't shake it. And then it came down to this. We said, what, what place that we were felt kind of led to represented the biggest risk? What, what represented the biggest hill, what represented something that if it works, we can take no credit for. Um, I mean, like, if it worked anywhere, we couldn't, I know we couldn't take credit, but this we really can't because it just feels so beyond anything that we have the ability to do on our own. So it has to be God. You mentioned in your video, that's awesome, by the way, um, there's so many already half full churches in our entire city. So why do you feel the burden and the urge to plant a church, start from scratch, when there's already churches that are functioning but not filled? Yeah. All, all the research we're doing, all the studies, everything is pointing to this fact that the, fast, the best way we have to reach people that are far from God is by planting new churches. 
Um, all, all the research bears out that truth. And that's what started kind of getting this in us. Because it's not that established churches aren't reaching people. They are. But to do it quickly, we need to multiply churches over. And, and what we're seeing in cities and in areas where church planting is happening and, it's, and the churches are committed to it, to be getting beyond it and not just sending out rogue, like, um, alone church planters, they're partnering with it, is that that commitment to multiplication is not just seeing new churches established that are reaching people far from God, but it's revitalizing existing churches and stirring a sense of mission to say we're in this together. That's why we prayed that God would bring churches around us, and that's what we're praying for our own, our sending church in CLA. It's an amazing church, but we're praying that as they send us and a team out, that it sparks something in the hearts of the people that are there to say, how can I relook at my own neighborhood, and how can I relook at the street in my workplace, and, and the place where my kids go to school and all of these things to say, man, we, we all, we, we need all the churches together in cities working to, to reach people. And you, uh, you mentioned you just moved, you moved into Surrey. Uh, why, why did you feel like you need to do that? You haven't really started anything yet. Yeah, I mean, there was no scenario in our mind that we could, we could fathom pastoring in a place that we didn't live. And like, we wanted a stake in the ground. Like, I wanted, I want to be part of this and I want to be able to invite my neighbors to church and say like if I if we're going to call people to mission we have to live on mission and we have to see so we just moved a week ago a little over a week ago and and we're in a new complex and we're praying for our neighbors that God would let us uh into their lives and 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 create a sense that our home would be a place that they could come and find healing and hope and salvation and friendship and, and all of these things. And so we just needed to be in the middle of it. I don't know if you'd add anything, Kels, or is that? No? Sure. I'm surprised. <laughs> well, at this stage of your life, you have three little boys and full-time mom, and you're doing other stuff outside the home as well. I'm planning a church. Like, I know people, not in this room, but I've heard of people that your age with little kids that, that find it difficult to even get to church. And that's no condemnation. Please don't hear me say that. But you're, you're not like just getting to church. You're saying we're going to start a church. Like, are, are you okay? <laughs> like, like, what are you, like, what are you thinking? Like, maybe, totally. like, yeah, I'm sure you heard that. Um, I think there's a few things. I think that growing up, um, I, I think I was, you know, growing up as a, as a parent and as a mom, early on, we, we really felt in our marriage, before we even had kids, that there was this reality of balance in going into ministry and that, that reality of balancing your home and your, your, your ministry and your family. And what we kind of came up with was that if you're trying to balance something, then something's out of balance. Um, there's, there's, you're never going to be able to live in perfect balance, so stop trying to balance all the different pieces. Um, and so we just really felt called to live a life that was um, ministry-focused as a family. Uh, before we ever had kids, we just decided that that was how we were going to do that. Now, when you then add children, it definitely added a, an element of, of difficulty and what that looked like and, and sacrifices some days and, and stress other days and whatever it would be. But I think that our, our biggest thing is, is just getting over that reality of segregation, segregation in our, our secular life and our sacred life. 
um, and just trying to, to diminish the balance and trying to diminish that this is when we go to church and this is when we serve and this is when we do cell group and then that's in this little box and then my cooking and my cleaning and my job and my parenting is all in this box over here. Um, but really trying to live a life where it's just all in one box and the call of God is, is over the whole box um, and it's, it's over our family. And so our kids like talk about how they're going to make crafts and greet people at the door and, you know, the job that they're going to do at Citizens Church. And, um, you know, I can remember one Sunday Jason was away and I had two sick kids. And so mom of three with, you know, you can't send them to Sunday school. So I'm like, well, there's no sense going to church. And so I loaded them up and we came and we started driving around the neighborhood and we went to McDonald's and had pancakes in Surrey Central. And we prayed over the location that we were praying over and you know, that's, it's just, this is who we are. This isn't something that we do. This is just who we are. And so I don't know if it's an encouragement to anyone, but just to try and say, stop, just try to not balance it, to try and just allow God to, to give you a vision for your whole life and not just trying to tweak parts of it. So let him have all of your life. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Like, that's really good. Like, if that's all you got, and that's when you came to church today, and you get that, that is really, really good. Like, come on. Like, there's not little places that Jesus wants. He wants our whole life. We sing that funny song, or we used to when I was young, back in the earth was cooling. He's got the whole world in his hand. I think he can handle your life. Totally. Um, what else I got here? What's, your, what's the plan? Because last I checked, it costs money to launch something, whether it's a business or not. Oh, by the way, you, do you have a location that you're, you're going to go? Yes, we have a location. Kwantlen Park Secondary School is, uh, will be our home, our meeting Where, whereabouts place. Is that? Whereabouts is that? It's, um, it's just a couple blocks from City Hall, so it's on uh, 104 and 132nd Street. And uh, it's awesome. It rep- Can for you us- picture where that is? 104th and 132nd Street? <laughs> yeah, it's a neighborhood that just needs a little stab of light right in the middle of it. Come on. Good. Sorry about that. How are you going to do this? What's the plan? Yeah, what's the plan? Right now we're building a team. Um, we, again, there was no scenario in our minds where we, we were going to try to do this without people and without a team coming with us. So we're building a team right now and trying to build that culture. We're raising money. Um, we're trying to raise over $250,000. That, um, that will go towards all the equipment we need, rental of the facility. The other thing that we're, we're deadly committed to as a church is planting other churches. And so... Uh, one of the ways that we're trying to be committed to that is even in our pre-launch fundraising, we're putting money aside for church planting. And if we hit our goals, we'll, we'll bring on somebody um, to, to be a church planter with us um, for a couple of years so that if everything goes well and the Lord is gracious, we could plant our first church out of Citizens Church in two years. And so we want to be committed to that. Has anybody told you you should, like, try and dream a little bit? Like, you just, your goals are so small. Like, uh, <laughs> of course not. It's incredible. You know, we've been praying, you know, if you've been at Tuesday Prayer or any of those kind of things, or even the last few years, we're just praying that, that God would do something special in our city. That he would raise up people. That he would, throw, you know, Matthew 9, uh, at the end of the chapter, talks about, Pray, therefore, that the, it talks about Jesus paints a scenario about the, the people are like sheep without a shepherd, scattered, helpless. And he says, 
So what's your response? He says, pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest would throw forth, thrust forth, like almost like that, into the harvest field and help. So I believe that you're the answer to a lot of people's prayers. It's not just something that's on your heart only. God's doing that work. But I think you're, you're going in response to the prayer of people, people in this room that have prayed for our city for a long time. How many of you have been praying for our city? Okay. So here's part of the answer right here. I really believe it. Jesus said, pray this way. Laborers to come. When laborers come, we're not like, where did they come from? We prayed and asked God. And not just our church. Churches all over. And people saying, God, our city, our city. Uh, I just want to make sure I don't. We talked about boldness. What are you afraid of? Everything. <laughs> I think that, you know, even this morning in worship, uh, just tears started to just fall from my eyes because I can't control the reality of how scared I am. Like, there is, there is nothing in me that can do this. Like, nothing. Like, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer this but God. Like, but faith. And, and if I can sit in church and I can sing that he can move a mountain, then I better believe it. Like, if I'm going to preach it, I better believe it. So, everything. Everything. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, like, a, a lot of church plants don't ever become sustainable. They, they're short, so there's, there's fear of failure. There's fear of, I mean, I don't have any other skills other than, and, you know, some would debate how many, how much skill I have in ministry, but, like, there's, <laughs> like, there's nothing else, and so I think, oh, man, like, I, I have these thoughts in my head, I'm like, if this doesn't work, will I be able to get another job in ministry, and, like, where will that leave us, and, and how we would pay the bills, and, you know, there's all kinds of, like, really practical fears, but, and then there's some that are attached to probably areas of pride in my own heart that I'm praying the Lord continues to weed out, um, it's hard not to some, attach at least part of your identity to the success of your ministry, and we're trying not to do that, but there's all these things that think through. Like, I got a pretty good gig over at CLA right now. Like, it's, it's a great church, and I got a great boss and great ministry, and so it's, yeah, there's all kinds of fear attached to it. Risk. It's a risk. It's a risk. Be bold. You need to be bold when you fear. And that's not just a message for people planning a church. It's a message for all of us. Because some of us in this room, God's calling you just little steps. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, um, you know, after we're all done this, I just want to talk to you just two, three areas that I want to ask you as a church. Our, just so you know, our church council, and when we did our budget for this year, we're giving $500 a month to start to this church plant. So about $6,000 this year out of your giving and generosity. That's kind of our, our minimum. Um, so thank you for that and for being faithful in your giving to a regional ministry, city ministry beyond ourselves. That's, that's one level. But I think there's some people in this room that maybe that are going to go above and beyond that and give the right to this. You can write, if you want to do that, Citizens Church, and we'll get it to them. Um, you want to give, some of you can write checks of $10, and some of you can write checks of 10000 
Uh, that's the reality, and, and would sow into the city in a real powerful way into an area that really needs the gospel. Uh, secondly, is, is uh, there's financially, but there's this thing that, and, and I'm going to be a little bit bold right now. Um, I don't normally do things like this, but okay, I do sometimes. I believe that there's people in this room that God's already touched on your heart to say, I'm going to pray for them. And not just say, hey, I'll pray for them, but I'm going to pray for them. You know, the, not the, oh, yeah, I'll be praying for you. Like, we're never really sure if they do. But I am going to be praying for them. And, and if that's you, I just want you, just between you and God and me and everybody in the room, just quickly stand to your feet. And I just want to just show them that, that God's going to be stirring you to be praying for them. And don't stand to impress anybody, but just say, I'll be standing for you because you're standing. Look around the room. Just look around. Awesome. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, I got you, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, some of you might say, I need to go and help them. And from this house, I would say, if God's stirring you to go, sit down. If God's stirring you to go, then we're going to pray over you and we're going to bless you and we're going to say, go, go and be blessed and stake a for it might be for a year to help them get it going. It might be say, I want to be a part of what God's doing there. I'm going to, I don't know. But it's what our church is supposed to do, is that we're to reach beyond ourselves, to see our city reached and changed by the power of the gospel. So good. So this is the awkward part where I'm going to transition to talk to you about what small steps into you guys. Thank you. Let's give a hand to Jane Kells. The worship team, you can come, yeah. And we'll, we'll uh, sing, do it again. All right. So this church was started in 1955 by a woman who boldly put a stake in the ground and said, we're going to plant a church in Surrey. I think it's absolutely incredible that, that we get to be a part of seeing another church planted in Surrey. Almost, I, someone can help me here, but in a very, very close Pastor Kirk to where the church originally started, 132nd, 104th, it was kind of up in that area where this church originally started. But sometimes we can make this moment, that's great for them, and miss our moment. See, so I just want to talk to you about some baby steps to grow in boldness for all of us. Just baby steps. Maybe the first thing for all of us is to just say something when you would rather say nothing, when it's easier to say nothing. Yeah, come on. Oh, what were you doing this weekend? Oh, went to play basketball. My kids went to soccer. A little busy on Sunday morning. No, that's your opportunity. Hey, this weekend, we, what were you? Oh, I we went to church. It was great. Oh, tell me more about it. Say something when it would be easier to say nothing. 
Secondly, bold is just taking the advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. I had this two, a couple of weeks ago. I was in Portland with a, for a youth conference, and I had a moment I absolutely blew. I was talking to the parking attendant when we were parking our vehicle. She was telling me her story, and long and short of it, she tells me she has two tumors in her brain that are benign but are causing her issues. And I was like, oh, okay. I, was like, I went away. Man, I should have prayed for her. Asked her. Then I, later, the next day, I see her again in the hallway. And there she is. She stops and says hi. And I'm like, And I just asked her about dumb stuff. And I let her walk away and I didn't say anything again. I don't got it always figured out, but I have got it right a couple of times where when people say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And I say, can I pray for you? Or can I church pray for you? We'll be praying for you. Is there anything we can do to help? All of us have those moments where I blow it one day and next day, we can make just take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves already in your lives. Number three, create opportunities. We have to sometimes take some intentional steps. Jason and Kels took an intentional step, move out of Langley into Surrey. It's an intentional step. They're going to create an opportunity to interact with people who are far from God. And sometimes we have to create some opportunities to step out of our bubble of our Christian world and interact with people who are around us and, and invite people to our small group or invite people to our church or, or just get to know the name of our neighbor or the person that you work with or the, the person down the hall in your building or whatever. Just create an opportunity. Maybe invite somebody over for dinner. Who knows what God would do? But create an opportunity. It's time we start looking for opportunities, taking opportunities, and making opportunities. That's what the, made the church a movement, not a location, not an institution. It was boldness. And God's calling us all to, Pastor Daryl talked about it last week, if you're here, to lean in a little bit. And all that's talking about is, uh, God, I don't really know what this will fully look like, but I'm going to lean in and, and lay my agenda before you and lay my money before you and lay my time before you and lay my skills before you, lay my failure before you, lay my issue before you. I'm just going to lean in and see what you would do this year. Take a step. And if Seriously, though, if you're a Christ follower, are you sorry that someone told you about Jesus? No. No. Someone that recently came to know Jesus in this church said to one of our staff, how come I've never heard of Jesus before this? I would have loved to have known who Jesus was a long time ago. Oh, wow. I wonder how many other people in our city are like that. Looking up at the sky, falling, maybe falling asleep at night and looking into the sky and wondering, is this all there is? Whether things are going good in her life or their things are terrible or just like, there's got to be more than this. And maybe you're the one that will take an opportunity, that will make an opportunity, that will do something that stretches you a little bit and just be a little bold. You know, it all starts, though, with that prayer. Oh, God, help me to be bold. Help me to be bold. Are you sorry that someone invited you to church once? Are you sorry that someone kept persisting until you said yes? Are you sorry that someone slipped you that CD back when CDs were a thing? Are you sorry that someone kept inviting you into their life and into their world? No. One day you're going to be, because you take a bold step, whatever that step is, because your bold step might not be bold to me, but my bold step might not be bold to you. 
You just take your step. Your step. Don't have to take this step. Just take your step. Let Jesus lead you and see what he would do. See what he would do. Absolutely beyond what you can think or imagine. Beyond what you can think or imagine. I invite you to stand. I'm going to respond in a moment. But I always like to, we always do, when we talk about Jesus, we recognize that there's people in the room probably that because you're inviting them, if you're a Christ follower, we're inviting. Maybe there's someone in the room here that says, Craig, I, I'm not sure that I'm right with God. I, I'm not sure what my eternity looks like if I've made my peace with God. Not because you're going to die today, but be actually because God wants to open your life into a whole realm of possibility that was forever, was close to you before. But when you become and are made right with God, suddenly the future that you were created for becomes possible. Surrender to Jesus. As simple as that. And so with every head bowed, can I just ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, give privacy to the people around you. If you're here and you say, Craig, I need to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life. I need to surrender my life to God. I just want to ask you to slip up your hand. And I'm going to pray with you. We're going to talk about it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front right now. I'm just going to, if that's you, just throw your hand up. My left, your right. Right down Main Street. My right, your left. Yeah. So, Father, I thank you that you are a forgiver, that you're a restorer, that you're a rebuilder, that you set us on a path, Lord Jesus, of life through the sacrifice of Jesus. And, Lord, we just simply say we need you. Forgive our sin, Lord. Make us right with God. We acknowledge that you are the forgiver and the leader of our life. We need you. And if you prayed that, you, the Bible says that you can be, you've been made right with God. But maybe you're right with God, but you're, you would just say with every eye open and every head up, Craig, I need the help of God to be a little bolder in my life with who I am and what God's called me to be. Just throw your hand up. Look around. No shame. I, my hand's up because I need God's help to be a whole lot bolder than I am. Because by nature, I'd like to hide. So, Father, as we look around the room, we, we put our hands up not as an expression of shame, but as an expression of deed, an expression of, God, we need your help to be who you've called us to be. Lord, I ask, even as Acts chapter 4, verse 29, as the apostles prayed for boldness, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would answer the prayer of every heart, represented by every hand that's raised, Lord, that we would be bold to be what you've called us to be. We would be bold to speak. With, with grace and, and truth together. We will be bold, Lord, to walk in what you've called us to walk, Lord. Thank you for the move of Holy Spirit right now. Thank you that you will make opportunities. Thank you that we'll be boldly stepping into opportunities because of who you are. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. If you would like to talk to Jane Kels, right, we're closing out. They're going to be right here on my right. If you'd like to connect with them for any reason, slip them some money, pray with them. And get their contact information. Go. God bless you as you go. We're going to sing this out as we go.